0: of you know the Lord's good. Let me set something up for you. I feel like preaching, but I ain't going to preach. However, I do need to set this up for you. Several months ago, probably back maybe even May time frame, Jim Kelly, who is a dear friend of mine who has ministered in this church before, we placed him on the calendar to bring a message to you. For Labor Day. As we got to about the first of August, we just felt like let's do something different on Labor Day. And it's a holiday. And I don't want to bring Jim on a holiday. I know attendance will be down. And so we'll we'll move Jim. We'll do something else on Labor Day. And we'll move Jim to, to, to uh November 12th, the day after my son gets married, so that he can help me out. I know I'll be just out of energy and And so yesterday was this wedding, and unbeknownst to me, whenever we're planning out the schedule, we didn't realize that today is a holiday weekend. A lot of our people travel on this weekend. But talking with Jim this morning, something beautiful happened in the conversation that we had, that had Jim been here to preach to you on Labor Day, his message would have been different than it is today, because something has transpired in his life, that is, God has caused through this situation to bring a message into his heart that I believe is so timely for you today in your faith. Had he preached then, it wouldn't have happened, but the message that he's going to bring to you today is a message of healing and faith, because God is going to do a work of healing in, in Jim's family you'll hear more about that I don't want to preempt him but what's so beautiful is really God in control knowing that the message that he needed to bring to epicenter didn't couldn't be preached in September but can be preached in November how many of you know God sometimes uses conflict in our lives to cause us to focus upon who he is and when we come into the church we're always looking for the preacher to give us a message on comfort. Give us a message. Comfort me preacher. But sometimes God uses conflict in our lives to grow us. Sometimes he uses conflict. We need to stop looking for the comfortable message and focus upon the comforter in our conflict. Amen. Amen. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to put your hands together and welcome my friend and your friend. Give him an epicenter welcome. Come on. Jim Kelly. Come on. Come on. Thank the Lord for it.
1: Thank you. Hey, everybody. You may sit down, have a seat. Hope you're doing good. I tell you what, man, this place is alive today. Did your team win yesterday? How many of your team won yesterday? You're happy? How many of your, your team lost yesterday? How many of you don't care? Yeah, okay. I'm cool with that. Hey, this has been, I mean, we could stop right now, right? Go home and say, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. Isn't that right? But, as Pastor shared, I believe I have a word for somebody today, a few of you today. And I believe something that I will share will resonate in your heart today. Because God is trying to move us ahead one step at a time. Do you realize, church, that God is always trying to move you? The Bible says we go from glory to glory. We go from faith to faith. And the way that happens is the movement that we make after hearing the voice of the Lord. How many of you love Jesus today? All right. Do you know God loves you enough that he doesn't want you to stay where you are? But he wants you to grow in your faith. He wants to challenge your faith. He wants to stretch you. You say, why would he want to do that? Because he wants to make you stronger. He wants you to be a light in a dark place so people can see your life and say something great has happened to that person because God is working in their life. Sometimes through trials and tribulations, it causes us to shine for the Lord, doesn't it? And in a day when so many people want to coast, God is challenging his remnant, his people To step out in faith and believe him, not just for good things, but for great things. How many of you today want to believe God for not just good, but great things? Raise your hand. Okay, that's most of you today. Are you ready for the journey? Are you sure? Even if there's some bumps in the road, is that okay? Because there will be some bumps in the road. Let me tell you, but his pastor was saying, he will keep you on a straight path. It's almost like, you know, when you're going down the interstate, and you know that there's always that, I don't know what they call it, that side road that runs parallel to it, and people are always either getting off or getting on, you know, on that side road. There are so many Christians that are not In the will of God, and they're driving 32 miles an hour on the side access road. And God's like, I want to get you on the freeway. I want to get you to the place where you're moving in me. I want to see you shift gears from second to third and from third to fourth and really hit your stride. But too many people say, no, I would rather be driving 32 miles an hour on the bumpy access road. How many of you want to be on the freeway for the Lord? I do. Right in the center of his will. You know, years ago when I had black hair, I was a youth pastor and worship leader. Your pastor, by the way, your pastor can really sing. Did you know that? I, I can't sing like he can sing. But I was a worship leader. And uh, do you appreciate your band? Didn't they do a great job today? <laughs> Give it up for your band. <clears throat> so, we go and a couple of friends of ours go to plant a church in Raleigh back in the mid 80s. And I was probably 26, I was married for about a year and a half. And uh, we raised some. Uh, rates raised, raised some capital and and we lived on faith back then we lived get this pastor we lived for 1200 bucks a month we had a car payment apartment pl- uh, payment and we ate hot dogs and spaghettios every day of our life but we made it for the first year until the church started growing and then we had a, a few people on staff and grew to 300 400 800 a thousand people things were cranking I remember when we bought our property in Raleigh, we bought this 32 acres, ended up to be 66 acres, had a Christian school and preschool and all these buildings, and, you know, it it was a lot of stuff. Say that word with me, stuff. Just a lot of stuff. And I was so proud of that place, and years went by, and the senior pastor, uh, you know, he was a little burned out, so he said, "I, I need to do something else, so he leaves, And uh, he says, Jim, do you and Janet want to take this church from this point? I said, sure, man, this is where God's planted us. And so for the next 11 years we were there, we were there 26, almost 27 years. I was 26 when I got there, I left at 52. That's a long, how many know that's a long time? So I'm driving up the driveway one day, and the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Jim, I know you love this place, but your season is coming to an end. And I'm like, what are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Come on, Lord, what are you talking about? He said, I'm going to show you that I'm, I'm getting ready to move you. But here's what the Holy Spirit said to me. And I want you to hold on to this and remember this for the rest of your life. You have to be willing to let go of the old in order to take hold of the new. Because God is always moving from glory to glory, right? He's always wanting to improve you, stretch you, challenge you, change you, take you to the next level. And sometimes you have to be willing to let go of the old stuff. And I was like, oh, no, Lord, I, I can't do that. Well, I'll get into that story in a minute. There was a man by the name of Abram in the Bible. We know him as Abraham. How many of you have heard of Abraham? When I was uh, a young Catholic kid, I thought Abraham Lincoln and Abraham were the same person, okay? I didn't know the word. And so God speaks to Abram in Genesis. It says, Abram, I want you to leave your family Your job, everything that you know, and I want you to go to a place that you do not know of, but I'm leading you. How many of you know that would be a scary scenario? A God that he's never heard of before says to him, I want you to leave everything you know and follow my will. You know, the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must first believe that he is, right, that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. So what would he cherish the most from your life and mine? Our faith. And faith, by definition, according to the book of Hebrews, is this, it's the confidence that what we hope for will actually come to pass. Now, how many of you are hoping for something in your life or your family? Raise your hand if you're hoping, believing God for some. I'm believing God for a, a godly husband for my daughter. I'm believing, somebody's laughing, oh, I'm praying, man, I'm trying to set it up. There's a preacher in Charlotte, single. He's 30 years old. I'm going to set that boy up with my 30-year-old daughter. He looks like he walked off GQ magazine. I'm like, this guy's handsome. He's got a job. He's a pastor. That's the kind of guy I want to hook her up with, right? <clears throat> so I'm, I'm praying like you guys, believing like you for the salvation of family members and I'm believing for grandkids, too. Anybody believe in God for grandkids? Okay, like four of us. Let's all pray after the service together for grandkids, right? Love those grandkids. So Abraham, what does he do? He has a choice. Am I going to just listen to this voice, or am I going to obey this voice? And the Bible says that he steps out. And he goes to the land that he did. It's kind of like going on vacation. And you pack your car up, and you, and you, you, know, you put the little uh, uh, sandwich thing on. What do they used to call that thing on the top of the car? It looked like a, a Big Mac. You all remember those things? You put those things up there, and you pack all your luggage, and you fill it up. And your spouse turns to you and says, uh, uh, where are we going? And you turn, and you say, I have no idea, but I know God's leading us. And they'd be like, yeah, right. Well, so God speaks to me and says, your season, speaking of seasons, your season here is going to be up. Well, the Assemblies of God, who I work with, I'm the church planting director and the director of ministries for the church, for Assemblies of God. So the superintendent says, oh, we got a full-time job for you. If you step away from your church, there's no problem. We got your your back, Jim. Famous last words. Because right around then, the economy tanked. Do you guys remember that? And then he turned to me in December before Christmas. I was supposed to start working full-time in January. He goes, oh, by the way, we don't have, sorry, we don't have any full-time work for you. And I'd already told the church that I was leaving. So here's the question. What do I do? Do I freak out? Do I start cussing? You know, Christians do cuss, you know. Or do I trust God? And we chose, my wife and I chose to trust. It was scary. But you know what? We never missed a house payment. We never missed a CPNL progress energy payment. God was faithful. Because listen, if God leads you out, he's leading you somewhere. And he'll always take care of you. And I mean, I mean, <clears throat> Mark, I mean, checks came in. People would say, you know, come speak here and do that. And somehow we were able to pay the bills. It was a miracle. So I get this word about leaving the church prior to that. And I turned to my wife. I said, honey, I think, I know we've been here a long time, but I think God wants us to leave. And she says, are you sure? Famous last words, are you sure? I said, yeah, I'm pretty sure. She says, good, because I knew two years ago. I said, what? Why didn't you tell me? She said, oh, I wasn't going to pull you off the wall. Oh, no way. You had to hear from God. Folks, church, I'm here to tell you that God is speaking his word to you today. And he wants you to step out in faith like Abraham. But you not only need to hear the word You need to put feet to your faith and step out and do it. James chapter 2 says, what good is it, my brothers, if you say you have faith, but you don't step out. You don't add corresponding actions to what you've heard. It's like Ananias gets a word in, in Acts about praying over this crazy man named Saul. And he says, Lord, you don't understand. I can't go to that man's house. He kills Christians. I can't. And God says, you listen to me. He said, that man who you are afraid of is going to change the world. His name was Saul. He will be Paul, and he's going to be your brother in the faith. So you get up, and you walk down the street, the straight street, and lay hands on that brother And see what I'm going to do. So Ananias had a choice. Would he pull back and say, well, I've heard from God, but I'm not sure if I should step out yet. What did he do? He stepped out. And because he did, the great apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament that you read that you brought to church today. Because somebody stepped out in faith. So what did Abraham do? Abraham hears the word, and he steps out. Let me encourage you today, church, to step out on the word, maybe a a whisper that God has spoken to you. Step out in faith. Secondly, any any word that God speaks to you, he will confirm. How many of you believe that? Raise your hand if you believe that. It's almost like the hammer and nail. God's Jeremiah says, "Your word is like a hammer that breaks rocks to pieces." So, God's word's like a hammer, and you're the nail. Turn to your neighbor and say, "You're a nail. You're a pretty nail, but you're a nail. Uh, You're a handsome nail, but..." So, here's how it works: When God speaks, He not only tells you once or twice; He'll tell you three or four or five times. It's It's kind of like when you're hammering in a nail, you don't just say, one, you're done. No. You take it and. Right. Three times, four times. And then if you're really serious about it, you take out that metal nail set and you you pop that thing in and sink it. It's the same way with the word of God. That if he wants you to go somewhere and do something for him, he will confirm it over and over and over and over again. He doesn't want you scratching your head, wondering if this is the way in which you are to walk. He wants to confirm it, and he'll do it through all kinds of ways. He'll close doors. He'll open doors. He'll have random people tell you, you know, I think you, you'd be good at that. Or "You maybe you need to consider that. And the peace of God that passes all understanding you will know when it's the word of God for you because you'll have a peace of God in your heart about it. So Abraham goes. So I step out in faith. Hey, listen, you want to hear something crazy? So I tell my wife, I tell the church that we're leaving, and prior to that, I was really afraid, but I had four or five people. I'll tell you a story. How many of you, I, and I, if I've shared this with you, forgive me, but how many of you heard of the... Um, Pop singer Katy Perry. <clears throat> okay, so you may not know this, but Katy Perry's parents are uh, evangelists with a prophetic ministry. And a friend of mine, after I'd left the church, and I was like, "Dear God, it's Tuesday. What do I do today? I don't have a job." And a pastor friend of mine said, "Come over to my church, Jim." And I want you to sit in with my office team because Katy Perry's parents are coming to preach the word. Like, cool. I didn't even know that she had Christian. Yeah, they've been in ministry for 40 years. And every time they minister, they say, please pray for our daughter. She's lost. Pray that she comes back. So I'm sitting in this meeting, and all of a sudden, all these Baptist people start getting these prophetic words. And I'm like, I'm sitting in the back of the room like, this is the coolest thing ever. Like, they've never experienced this before. And they're all freaking out, and I'm like, this is really great. And then Katie's mom points to me and says, stand up. I was like, "Uh uh-oh. Have you ever got one of those stand-up words? Oh, boy. And this is what she said. You've been stuck like a rusted bolt in a place for a very long time. But God has seen fit to move you because he's trying to get you to the next level. And you have to be willing to let go of the old to take hold of the new. I was like right between the eyes. So here's what I'm telling you, church. If God wants you to do something, he will tell you over and he'll confirm it over and and over and over again he did that with abraham so he speaks to abraham the second time he shows up says abram i just want to let you know i got a promise for you and even in your old age you're going to have a son and he's like i'm 70 years old lord how's that going to happen it's like i'm telling you so he waits and he waits he waits for 10 years nothing ever happens And his wife, Sarah, gets so frustrated that she says, Obviously, I'm not going to have a baby, so take my servant, Hagar, sleep with her. Maybe we'll produce an heir through her. And sure enough, who's born? Ishmael. Say that with me. Ishmael. You know what Ishmael is? Ishmael is the representation of everything that you're trying to do in your own strength and in your own time. If God has promised you something Don't try to make it happen yourself. Wait on him because it will cause you pain and probably a lot of money. How many of you have ever got ahead of God and you you knew you were ahead of God and it just was not good? Not good. So Ishmael's born. He's a pain in the posterior. To everyone he knows, he's a wild child. And then two angels and God show up one day and they say, Abraham, remember that promise I promised you all those years ago? Yes, Lord. Ishmael's not the promised child. But your wife, who's way past the age of producing children, you and your wife, Sarah, are going to have a baby. Sarah's listening in the tent. You know what she's doing? She's laughing. Like, this is a joke. Like, how can this happen? And guess what happened? Twelve months later, just like the Lord said, she gets pregnant miraculously and has Isaac. Do you know what Isaac's name means? Laughter. Like, it was a joke. Like, how could this happen? And do you know, of course, from Isaac, We have Jacob and then the 12 patriarchs, and the rest is Israelite history. Now, here's what happened to Abraham. So Abraham gets the promised son, right? Isaac, everybody's happy. Everybody's throwing a party, right? A few years later, God says, Abraham, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. I want you to take the promised son up to Mount Moriah, and I want you to sacrifice your son On an altar to me. Now, if you were Abraham, would you talk back to God on that conversation? I think I would, wouldn't you? Say, wait a minute, Lord. This is the promised child. This is the one that you said that we would have children like the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. How, why would you ask me to do such a crazy thing? And God says, trust me. So he goes up, right? And he puts the wood on Isaac's shoulders. I want you to see the parallel here. Puts the wood on Isaac's shoulders. And they start going up Mount Moriah. And Abraham lays his son down, ties him up. And he's just about to plunge the knife in. And what does the angel of the Lord say? He says, stop! Abraham, now that I know... I can trust you. I want you to stop. And there's a ram in the thicket. Sacrifice the ram in place of Isaac. Because now I know that I can trust you completely. Do you know every word that you receive from God will be tested? Do you know everything that you receive from God by faith? You will be tested. Tested. Some people, a lot of Christians think God's mad at them because they go through trials and tribulations. God's not mad at you. You know what he's trying to do? He's trying to stretch your faith. He's trying to make you stronger. He's trying to purify your faith. That's why we go through trials and tests. It's it's the purifying of our faith that we can be pure, be more like Jesus. How many of you know we're supposed to be more like Jesus every day? So, My lovely wife couldn't be here today. She normally is here every time we speak at Epicenter. And by the way, it is a privilege to be with you. Thank you, Pastor Mark. She was feeling bad a couple months ago, and I said, well, maybe you need to go to the doctor. She's like, "Ah, I don't go to the doctor. I said, honey, you need to go to the doctor. So she goes to the doctor, the family doctor, and the family doctor says, I think you've got something going on. You may need to go to a specialist. So she goes to a specialist and they they do a test and the doctor pulls us in a room and says, Um, <coughs> Mr. and Mrs. Kelly, your your wife has stage three cancer. And if if you've heard those words before, you know that was that's not a good day. And so we had a choice. We could either cry and whine and say, woe is me, and why did this happen? We're God's servants. Why would this happen to us? Or God may be saying, the reason why I allow these things to happen in your life is so that your faith will become even stronger as you see my power and my glory manifested in your life. So. And we thank God, Pastor, we thank God for the doctors and wonderful nurses at Rex Hospital in, in Raleigh. So she takes her chemo, and she's doing her radiation, and we're going through that. All the while, we're, we're, we're saying, thank you, Lord, for the chemo pills. Thank you, Lord, for the radiation. But, Lord, you are the healer. And so we are believing our faith is, is the confidence that what we hope for will actually come to pass. That's what the word says. So we're believing that thing is shrinking down. And when that doctor wants to do surgery, he's going to say, this is very minimal. We'll snatch that thing out. And Janet, you're going to be just 100 percent for the glory of God. Here's the beautiful thing is people have come up to us and said, don't you worry. Don't you fret. God's going to do a miracle. God's going to take care of Janet. I mean, pastor. Pastor. A dozen or more people, everyone has been saying the same thing. That's how you know it's God, when people that you know and love and trust are saying the same thing. I, we don't just listen to random, thus saith the Lord, by somebody we don't know. We trust people we know. And when they speak a word to us, we we take it to heart. So would you believe with me that God's going to heal my wife? Would you believe that with me today? And she sends her greetings, by the way. Now, I know that there are those in the audience today that you are believing God for all kinds of things. You're believing God for healing in your in your life. You're believing for the salvation of your children or your grandchildren. You may have a, a son or daughter uh, with gender confusion. The Lord spoke to me yesterday and said, there's somebody here. Today that your daughter is going through some gender confusion, and the Lord wants to give you a word that she 's going to be okay and that she's going you 're going to get through this and she 's going to be just fine. I believe that there are some that are you, maybe it 's your husband that um, is dealing with uh, either cocaine or other uh, issues with drugs. And God is saying, if you pray, him, pray it through, God's going to deliver your husband, and he's going to be okay. He will not leave you. God's going to save your marriage and protect your children. Do You receive that today? But here's here's the greater word for you. Is that God wants to stretch your faith, and he wants you to be stronger in him. And the, sometimes the only way that happens is through these trials and tribulations to test your faith to make it even stronger so that you can shine and be a light for other people. And they can look at you and say, God has done something miraculous in your life. That's what my wife's going to say this spring. God has done a miracle in my life. And be a testimony. You see? Now, let me tell you, I, I told the first service this, and I'll, I'll kind of wind down with this. Um, so in the midst of my wife feeling so bad and ha- having to lay on the couch, we have this large tree in the front of our yard and come to find out that the roots of the tree got into our sewer line. And all of a sudden, our sewer starts backing up in the house. It happened once, it happened twice, it happened three, and the last time it was just a stinking mess. Pastor was talking about leading you beside the rivers, right? That's a beautiful thing. I love to go by these crisp, clear rivers and just hear the rushing water and see God's creation, you're like, yeah. But what happens if, a tree's roots get in your sewer line. So, the first plumber gets there and he says, "Well, let's dig over here and try to get this. Well, that didn't work." I call a friend, another guy comes out and says, "We have to dig up the whole sewer line and it's going to cost you $2,000 to dig this up." I'm like, "$2,000?" Like, who's got that? Go ahead and do it. We gotta do it. Right? My wife's sick. She can't, you know what I mean? The bathrooms have to work, right? So they dig up, they get the big trencher, and they're there for three days. And thank God they and, and when they when they dug down, they saw that the root, a root that shouldn't have been there, about this thick, was taking up most of the pipe. And that its roots had spread to both sides down the sewer line no wonder everything was backing up it was terrible do you know that you can have roots in your line too and if they're not if if there may be things in your life that if you don't dig them up and take care of them you're going to have a stinky life There may be hidden things below the surface that no one sees, but they're all clogged up. God says, sometimes, sometimes I got to take the claw and I got to dig up the line. You know why? Because I want fresh water flowing in your life. But you have to be willing to let God dig it out of your life. You know what it could be. I don't know what it is in your life, but God says things will be backing up until you deal with the root. And today I'm here to tell you, if you just confess to God and you say, Lord, please deal with this hidden thing in my life, would you would you take your holy hand and work in my life and remove this thing, do whatever you need to do so that the sweet fragrance and river of God can flow freely in my life. How many of you want that? You see, God, you say, where are you going with all this? What I'm saying is God is wanting to draw you closer to him. And he's wanting to purify your faith. Why? Because he wants to make you stronger. And the way that you are made stronger, the testing and the trials produce perseverance. And the Bible says, let perseverance have its perfect work that you'll be strong and complete. Listen to this. Lacking in nothing. So when people look at your life, they're like, man, there goes a strong woman of God. There is a powerful man of God. Let me tell you, every man of God worth his salt has been through something. Every woman of God that stands strong has been through a trial. And when you're tested and you're tried and you come out smelling like a rose, people smell it. And they're like, there goes a woman of God. There goes a man. That's what I want for my life. How about you? Church, I'm here to tell you the days of coasting in Christianity are over they're done. Today, and I believe God has reserved this time for you and I. God put you here right where you are today, living in, what is it, 2017, soon to be 2018. There's no mistake that you're here sitting in this church today. And all he's saying is, are you willing to step out for the next step of faith in your